This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. The topic for today's episode is how to break through the clutter and connect with your target audiences. Here to speak with me is Miguel Dao, who is the SVP of marketing at CloudGen, a leading provider of AI cloud-based field service and asset management solutions. Miguel has nearly 30 years of experience in organizational transformation, digital and omnichannel marketing, and demand generation program development. Previously, Miguel led marketing operations for B2B organizations such as Freshworks, VMware, and Hewlett-Packard, and B2B companies such as Procter & Gamble and Pepsi. I'm very excited to talk to him today. Welcome, Miguel. Yeah, thank you so much, Stefan. I'm uh, pleased to be here with you today. Well, Miguel, before we explore today's topics, I'd love to find out more about you. Tell our listeners about how you got started in marketing. It's funny because I went to college in Florida. I went to high school in Italy. I'm Portuguese mm -hmm. originally, but I moved around a lot. I've lived in nine, uh, nine countries and I did high school in Italy. My, my dad was working for an American company in Rome. Fantastic time. And then decided to go to college in, in U.S., in the East Coast, so close enough to Europe. And I got a degree in computer engineering. But halfway through the program, I realized I don't want to be an engineer. Uh, this is not really my forte or my passion. And uh, my dad just insisted, at least get your degree and then figure it out. I immediately got a, an MBA in marketing. I fell in love with marketing and communications. At the end of the day, Stefan, uh, marketing is all about storytelling. And I love that aspect of connecting with folks on that narrative and that storytelling and help them move along in that journey with you. So, um, yeah, it's been close to 30 years across multiple industries and companies, as you said, and uh, just started a new job at, at uh, CloudGen four weeks ago. Very uh, early on, just getting uh, acquainted to this industry and the competitive landscape. But, um, yeah, it's uh, an exciting time to be in, in software as a service and in, 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 in cloud solutions. Yeah. Well, what do you see... As in regards to differences between B2B and B2C marketing? Ah, that's the holy grail for me. I've been on a <laughs> mission for most of my career to bring B2C emotional values to B2B. I believe uh -huh. I, I started at Procter & Gamble and uh, Pepsi-Cola, British American Tobacco, great B2C schools, and where really fundamentally it's all about emotional values, independence and sex appeal and coolness, right? When you're selling a soft drink or a, a bottle of shampoo, it's fundamentally about how you're going to look and how you're going to feel. And so B2B, I find still today, is still very much about the rational benefits, what we used to call it at Hewlett Packard, the speeds and feeds. But if we could bring those kind of emotional connections about the, the humanity, the empathy, the, uh, the sense of meaning and purpose, That's something that B2B, I think, could learn from B2C. And, and so that's, that's been something that I've been really focused for the, the second half of my career, which has been B2B focused. It's interesting that you say that. Um, in last week's episode, I had a conversation with, with someone, and um, he mentioned that he is looking into injecting humor into their messaging. I love that. Kind of, he said Something similar than you said, you know, it's like a little bit too serious, you know, it just needs to be more personal at the end of the day. Have you thought about that? Have you used that in the past? 
Yes, and in fact, we're starting here at CloudGen, we're revamping our entire uh, marketing collateral library, and we're injecting a little bit of humor and wit and insight because we are, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, It's we're all inundated with emails and LinkedIn in-mails and phone calls and approaches that are just dry as bone and have no insight, no relevance, or no intrigue to it. We need mm-hmm. to really connect at the human level. And humor, we know, is one of the best ways to connect and to break through that and break the ice and break through that initial shield. Yeah, and I think also to set yourself apart, because I don't think a lot of companies are currently going that route. I mean, you know, once someone bigger starts doing it and sees success in it, I'm, I'm pretty sure there will be a trail of followers at the end of the day. I think but so. you can kind of lead that pack, you know, that, that makes you stand out very early on. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and it's something that makes me think that maybe it's something we should even kind of double down on because it's true. On the B2C side, you see it on TV commercials all the time. Humor, when you look at the Super Bowl ads, for instance, the best rated mm-hmm. ones tend to be either the ones that appeal to the heart, like the Anheuser-Busch horses or something like that, but also the ones that are humorous. And GoDaddy, to give an example, uh, just comes to mind. I'm improvising with you here, Stefan, but GoDaddy made a brand by being humorous, sometimes even provocative with its humor. It's not for everyone, but it's true on the B2B side. It's definitely an opportunity because we tend to think that our target audiences, the CEO, CIO, COO, and the heads of department tend to be more conservative and perhaps just the business side, but um, even they uh, have a, a humorous side. And and so it's something that has definitely uh, not been explored enough and on the B2B side of the house. Yeah. So obviously messaging is one part of engaging with, with your audience. I mean, that's what they see. That's what they read. That's what they react on. But before before they see the, the ad message, it's about identifying your right audience and targeting them through a number of channels. Now, we're currently in a pandemic. We have been with now two years, one and a half years. There's, there's currently no end in sight. But how has the dimension landscape changed over the last one and a half, two years as, as kind of the entire world is, is kind of trying to handle and, and manage and, and go through this pandemic situation? Yeah, it's. I think about this a lot, as do your listeners, I'm sure, as do yourself and your your team. The, the pandemic has been awful, right? It's been awful for the planet, for mankind, for so many lives and so many livelihoods lost. It's been so traumatic in many respects because human beings are sociable by nature. And, and, and we've been stuck uh, for a year and a half and we've seen folks get sick and perhaps even uh, die. It's been so sad, but hopefully indeed in the next few months here, we'll finally turn the corner and it becomes something manageable. It becomes like the flu. You get your shot. If you believe in that, I happen to believe that you need to treat it like the flu or uh, diseases that are endemic, not pandemic. But on the business side, Stefan, what I'm seeing is, I think the jury's still out there in terms of what changes that are that we've had to adapt to now will be permanent. Some things will go back. We're already seeing air traffic going back to pre-pandemic levels. We're seeing, mm-hmm. I'm up here in the Bay Area today, visiting for, for some customer meetings and, and some internal meetings. Traffic in the highways is back to what it used to be. So some things will go back and bounce back. But I think fundamentally, some things will 
uh, change forever. I, I think, for instance, of physical events, trade shows and conferences and, 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 and summits. Yes, they'll come back because we do want uh, to have that human touch with, with our customers and prospects and partners and colleagues. But I don't think it'll be the same way it used to be. I think the future will be more of a hybrid uh, kind of uh, situation where video conferencing, whether it's Zoom or Google Meets or whatever solution, WebEx, uh, video conferencing will be here. Equally, working from home will be uh, part of the the model. I don't think we'll go. Typically, some organizations, some industries, and some specific functions, you need to go into the office or into your work environment on a daily basis. But I think in the future, we'll find that happy equilibrium and people will have more choice between working from home, working in the office or something in between. So that's already something that I think will impact the way we work and we coexist uh, with our colleagues in our organizations. And that will inevitably have an impact also in the way we try to reach to our various target audiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as it, as it relates to the mention landscape. I mean, from my own observation, obviously over the last one and a half years, a lot of companies had to either, you know, figure out how to go online and promote their business because, you know, people for a long period of time weren't outside and, and weren't able to consume or, or engage with, with the products there. And other companies had to basically increase their activities to levels probably hadn't done before. Do you see that similarly? Yeah, it's interesting. The, the pandemic is... is in my experience and in folks I've interacted with, I, I, I see three chapters of this uh, Shakespearean play, right? Mm-hmm. The first chapter is we were all deers in headlights, right? We were all frozen. It was yeah. uh, back in March 2019. We were, this can't be happening. It's going to go away. And it didn't go away. And then all of a sudden it was real. And we didn't know what to do, both as parents, as as individuals and as uh, marketers or, or business people, that then changed. All of a sudden, we had this brave new world that some industries, some companies that embraced, but now it became pervasive. All of a sudden, we we realized that there's no option to video conferencing or to digital and social conversations because you no longer have that that physical contact. But now, I think we're in that third kind of awkward phase of. We're all what I call Zoom fatigue, right? Mm-hmm. We're all tired of just sitting in front of a, a laptop and in, interacting with the world that way. So we're all eager to get out there and hopefully soon enough we will. But we've gone through this kind of the typical stages of denial, anger, fear, and ultimately acceptance. I believe that in the end, organizations need to become a lot savvier about how to approach uh, their target audiences, uh, identify, to your point, the true ICP. What's your ideal customer profile? Mm-hmm. Because this notion of spraying and praying is not working. It's too much noise in the system. You need to be very selective in who you're approaching and how you're approaching. It needs to be relevant and compelling. Otherwise, it's just a waste of time and money and effort. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, because it got more crowded out there, right? What are additional hurdles to connect with prospects these days? That's a good one. Let me think about that for a second. We need to figure out, we as marketers and as organizations seeking out 
contacts and leads and MQLs, marketing qualified leads, and hopefully those will convert to sales accepted and opportunities and that goes into your pipeline. And ultimately mm-hmm. a percentage of those convert into, in, into closed deals, right? That's, the, that's the, the, the journey. And in order to get in front of the right audiences with the right message at the right time, you really need to, first of all, know what you stand for know how what sets you apart you mentioned humor as one tactic but fundamentally what does your brand what does your solution stand for how is it different from the thousands of other solutions out there that are competing with the same eyeballs and the same attention spans as you are and then figure out ways to reach to those folks overcome these hurdles which are real or imaginary the hurdles that we cannot see each other in person today the hurdles that we're all drowning in content and unrequested solicitations of of of, of meetings and, mm-hmm. and and just this kind of vanilla approach do you have 30 minutes to talk to me so really we need to think about i'm a big proponent stefan of abm account-based marketing mm-hmm. yeah and I know that ABM it can be very expensive, and the ROIs, uh, marketing ROIs, have been uh, elusive for my entire career. Right, attribution yeah. and how do you measure return? But sure. certainly ABM at the enterprise level, so large organizations where it's, it's not so much a volume game like in SMB, it's more a value game or a value conversation where you don't need tons of uh, new accounts or new deals to make your numbers and, and to grow. So account-based marketing, in my particular word at CloudGen, we're working with large manufacturing and utilities and industrial types of organization with our one cloud solution for asset management and field service uh, type of solutions. And ABM is essentially one-to-one marketing. If you cannot do one-to-one, then do what I call cluster marketing, which can be verticalized. So you target like-minded individuals and organizations and say the water utility space and by leveraging the power of that one-to-one conversation or one-to-few rather than the broadcast of one-to-many which again works very well in the smb space and certainly the b2c space um that's how i'm finding that i'm getting that audience and i'm finally i'm breaking through that clutter pandemic or no pandemic and at least having the opportunity to have a conversation and pass that over to our sales development reps and our account executives. So how, how do you go about to identify your ICPs on your end? You have to really, that's a good question. We're going through that right now in my first four weeks here at CloudGen. And you really need to know what you stand for and who you want to engage with. Because otherwise it becomes an old cliche of a term, but spray and pray, right? Mm-hmm. And that that's painful in all respects. Uh, it's a waste of time, money, people, resources, and, 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 and a waste of <laughs> your soul as well uh, because you get rejected all the time. So really understand what is that ICP, that ideal customer profile, the mm-hmm. size of the company, both in revenue or in size of number of employees, the type of personas you want to target. And you know, especially as you get to high mid-market and enterprise, you're not talking to one individual. You need to talk to six or 10 because there are, it's a committee. It's a group of decision makers, influencers, thought leaders, ultimate users of the solution that all play a role in that purchase uh, decision. And so you need to spread your reach through a variety of channels. We can talk about that in a second. 
but you need to make sure you understand. For instance, here, just to give an example of CloudGen, we want to primarily target the COO, chief operations officer. Yeah, the CIO, CTO, CFO, that's also nice. We don't want to go to the CEO because this he'll delegate anyway. But if we can reach the operations team, the head of operations, head of infrastructure, head of asset management, then I am reaching the sweet spot of my target audience. And then, so you have the title focus, you have the vertical focus, utilities, manufacturing, industrial for us, the size of the company. And then you look for those uh, lookalikes, right? You look at your installed base and you see what, what were the companies where we had uh, our highest success ratio? And what was it? And you ask them, what was it that moved the needle for you that allowed you to, uh, that prompted you to talk to us and ultimately buy from us? And you try to emulate that in our various tactics and initiatives across our marketing mix. Um, that saves a lot of pain and ultimately money in your approach. Yeah. yeah. You know, you mentioned obviously that there are different groups of people within an organization that take part in the decision-making. You have the users, you have the people that sign it at the end of the day. And each of them, you know, you reach in different channels with different messages. How much are you changing up messaging as it relates to the individual groups within a company that you need to talk to? Oh, it's crucial. It's absolutely crucial. If you're not doing that, it's just a cold email, cold call, cold end mail out of the blue with no relevance, we decide within 3.2 seconds if we're going to read this, if we're going to want to talk to these people, if we want to hire somebody who sent us a resume, if the CV, the resume is not tailored to my particular needs, then I'm not saying you have to be rewriting everything about your career if you're interviewing or about your company's strengths if you're uh, looking for for uh, new customers, but you do need to fine tune it. And those first two lines, two uh, sentences, the headline needs to be relevant to my industry, to my pain point, at least as you perceive it to be. And so we also know that it's not going to be a one-off, right? Nobody's going to, it's very rare that somebody, I don't care if you send them a bottle of wine and we also try that, but they're not going to really pick up the phone and say, yeah, sure. I'll give you 30 minutes of my time. So it takes time. And that's where nurturing campaigns take place. In yeah. our case, we use a sequence of 10 touch points, Stefan, between mm-hmm. emails and phone calls and sales navigator outreaches. And, and you build that relationship slowly and, and in a relevant way. And eventually the right, individual and company will indeed take your uh, take your call. Yeah. How, how close do you usually work together with your sales counterpart? Because, you know, usually marketing and sales have different objectives, right? Marketing, and we talked about before we, we started recording, you know, a lot of companies think about, let's get as many leads as possible, right? And then something will trickle down. Uh, sales will say, I don't want to have as many leads as possible because that means I have to most likely increase my sales number or my, my sales staff better, but it doesn't necessarily mean we get more sales out of it. So how, how do you approach that? How do you work together with your sales counterpart in making sure that you're both aligned uh, in regards to who you target, who you push through, and then also as it relates to the feedback that the sales team gives your team? Yeah, I'm chuckling here uh, because... I have the scars, and many of the listeners will as well, of misaligned and 
well-meaning but completely unproductive marketing approaches. And I've made those mistakes myself and I've learned from, I hope I've learned from them because there's this thing indeed that marketing, we think we're God's gift to mankind and we look at us, we do all these sexy uh, campaigns and we bring all these interesting leads and aren't we special? (laughs) And then sales look at us and say, no, none of those have converted. At the end of the day, all that matters is, Are we growing as a company? Are we adding revenue? Are we adding pipeline? And so, yes, there is this dichotomy uh, that I've seen that many of us have seen throughout our careers that marketing thinks sales doesn't respect marketing or doesn't really listen to us or just doing their organic pursuits or not following through on our leads and MQLs. Sales thinks that marketing is just a bunch of creative types that are good for us to contact if we need some merchandising or some swag, but they're not really going to help us uh, grow that pipeline. So we need to connect those uh, two worlds. And the best way to do that is by communication and collaboration. I talk with sales all the time, Stefan, all the time mm-hmm. now. It's And not just sales, the SDR, some companies call BDR. It's mm-hmm. that bridge between the marketing uh, demand generation engine and the sales acceleration bottom of the funnel uh, piece of the puzzle. And the the BDRs or SDRs, business development reps or sales development reps, they help grab all those MQLs and separate what's really worthwhile versus what's rubbish, to use my Mm -hmm. British wife's word. And then they can then set up that meeting, perhaps even set up a a demo or workshop with the ASC, with the solutions engineer. And that, that makes then the account execs much more excited about entertaining marketing leads and and MQLs because marketing qualified leads, so a higher type of warmer type of of lead, because then, yeah, they're seeing all of a sudden, lo and behold, oh my God, there's a good conversion rate right here. So the sales slash BDR slash marketing trio is trifecta is essential. And I always say it's a three-legged stool if one of the legs of that stool is broken or not there, then the stool falls down. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so, do you use software to provide uh, for your soft, uh, for your sales team to provide feedback to the marketing team, or is it more anecdotal? Uh, no, we live and die by our CRM system. And there are many. Mm-hmm. There's Salesforce and Marketo, HubSpot, Bardot. But we live. That's our Bible, right? That's mm-hmm. certainly uh, our single hymn sheet that we all sing from. So when I go in the morning, I can look at all the leads and contacts and what has now been considered based on lead scoring, a qualified, i.e. a warm or even hot lead, what is then converting to a sales qualified, sales accepted, when it becomes an opportunity um, with a dollar amount tied to it, Mm -hmm. which then enters our pipeline number. We know that we want 10x pipeline to sales. I mean, that's a very ambitious goal. But if we can get, we're not there, but if we can get to 10 times the pipeline number to to our sales goal, then we have a high chance of getting there. And we all look at it together. I mean, not together. They have their own agenda, their own timings, et cetera. But we all go to the same page and we have a dashboard that we can all visit at our different times and see the same thing across the entire spectrum. Yeah. Now, a few minutes ago, we when we talked about target audience and, and segmenting them and, and developing messaging for each of the individual segments to, to be relevant when you reach out. You also throw out the word channels, right? So as it relates to channels, how or what channels do you usually use? And do you use channels differently for different segments of your ICP? 
Absolutely, yes. Um, that's a really good question. And, and here, just to uh, to make sure we're on the same page with everybody, by channels, I mean the avenues, right? The, the different mm-hmm. media or the different lines of communication with our target audiences, as opposed to partner, channel partners, right? Which yeah. we have great partnerships there with uh, VARs and and the kind of software uh, partners like AWS, et cetera. But yeah, in terms of the different elements of our marketing mix, we do tailor it depending on who we're trying to target. So for instance, if I want to reach the C-suite, there will probably be more. You always want to be careful not to over uh, stereotype or generalize, but in, te- in general, there will be more digital savvy. They'll probably have a LinkedIn profile, for instance. So we'll we'll have a, a way of retargeting them, of doing display advertising, of doing social media and paid search, et cetera, because they're consuming content uh, online, content syndication by being present with white papers or eBooks or videos or infographics and the websites that they visit. Nobody comes Necessarily, sometimes when you're a startup to your own destination, they don't know who you are. So you go where they are and where they consume. But also other important individuals in this decision buying group that we talked about, the influencers tend to be the folks that will actually use the solution on their iPhone or Android or uh, mobile device. And these are folks that work for, in my particular world, utility company or a trucking company or a commercial company, climbing telephone poles or fixing water pipes or uh, fighting fires like we have wildfires in California. Those folks probably don't have the appetite or even the ability in their day-to-day driving around with their hard hats and their high-visibility jackets to reach out and, 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 and consume content that way. So we have to approach different folks, and they will be an important part of the equation because they'll be the ultimate users of our software. I'm giving a specific example related to my current company. But in different industries and in different types of environments, folks should really pay attention to if they're reaching the C-suite or if they're reaching more the user on the ground. That person can be in the back office, in a physical office space, or could be actually out there driving a a crane, a truck, or a van, right? And so perhaps even, I'll give you a very tactical example, but just to illustrate, Stefan, we know that for a large chunk of our target audience, sports and outdoor activities are very popular. So why not do a promotion around baseball uh, or around fishing prizes or around the ability to meet even a celebrity that they might want. We've done this uh, in recent past, for instance, we, we organized a meet and greet, and this was before the pandemic, with a, a famous uh, football player. So there are different uh, ways to reach the different personas within your target audience. And you need to be mindful of how they consume content, how they interact with you, and um, and plan accordingly. Now, Miguel, before we come to the end of today's podcast episode, are there any additional thoughts on or tips and tricks on breaking through the clutter and connecting with, with a company's target audience that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll end with three thoughts which I've weaved into our conversation, but um, I actually jotted them down because I think they kind of permeate through everything I do. And they are essentially strong kind of mantras, personal and for my team. One is I believe strongly that less is more. Simplify. The world is complicated, especially today. 
And we are all overwhelmed. We are all drowning in information and data, regardless of job level, industry, segment, company size. We're all drowning, not to mention the preoccupations in our lives as as, as, as spouses and parents and children and, and friends, et cetera. So less is more. Keep it simple. Keep it really, really relevant and compelling and intriguing. And that leads me to the second point. Lead with empathy. Put yourself in the other shoes. Don't toot your own horn. Yes, you have the best solution, whether it's software or hardware or a service, whatever. but it's not about you. It's about them. How are you going to help them solve their pain point, become uh, more agile, nimbler, uh, more cost efficient, uh, more successful in managing their own customer satisfaction uh, struggles and hurdles. So empathy, less is more. And then fundamentally, something also that um, has worked really well is also with this point about not talking about yourself all the time. There's a lot of power in letting others amplify your message. And I'm thinking, for instance, Stefan, of peer review sites like G2 or Capterra, right? These are sites we're starting to invest more and more in because the Amazon and the Yelp kind of review world um, has really given us an opportunity to listen to others that we respect. We don't even know them, but we respect their opinion and much more than perhaps you as the the, the seller of some wares. So uh, believe very much in the power of elevating your ecosystem, also through case studies and success stories. Have your customers, your most um, avid fans and advocates, talk about how you made their lives better. Not you always at webinars or events just Mm -hmm. saying how you could be so good. Don't rely just on your own word, which, to be honest, not everybody everybody will take with a grain of salt. Lean on the ecosystem to uh, to elevate that. So, yeah, less is more. Empathy. And, and focus on on the ecosystem to help uh, amplify your message. I love the last point, to be honest. I mean, that's obviously something that in the e-commerce world is kind of, you know, that's normal. You use the reviews, whether it's on your website, in your ads, et cetera, um, that you collect on, on all those different review platforms. And I think there's a big opportunity, especially for B2B brands, to, to pull that into their marketing. And, and as you said, let, let the customers you know, do the selling almost like absolutely referral way, you know, Miguel, thank you so much for joining me on the performance of podcast and sharing thank your you. thoughts on how yes. to successfully connect with your target audience. If people yes. want to find out more about you um, and cloud chain, how can they get in touch? Yes. Thanks for, for that. Um, so by all means, reach out to me. Uh, email is M Adao, M A D A O at CloudGen, and cloud is a, an unusual spelling, cloud with a K, L-O-U-D-G-I-N, cloudgen.com. Uh, you could also check out our website, cloudgen.com, um, with a K-L-O-U-D-G-I-N. And um, yeah, I, um, I really appreciated this uh, opportunity, Stefan. I think we should do it again. Let's find another topic. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you like the Performance Silver podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. 
Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at SymphonicDigital.com.